Hello and welcome. You are listening to Patrick Boyle on Finance, a podcast exploring ideas from quantitative finance, examining events occurring in markets right now and financial history to see what lessons can be taken away, including interviews with some of the most interesting people in the world of finance. To learn more about the podcast, visit onfinance.org. Look, a lot of people took up hobbies in the early stages of the pandemic. People were making pasta, they were cutting their own hair, they were buying dogs that they could then clean up after. Things like that. Now, one of the most popular hobbies was, of course, retail trading in meme stocks. And that exact hobby turned out to be the undoing of Bill Huang. I can't help but think that all was going well for Bill, and then he fell under the influence of Dave Portnoy and decided it was time to go all in. Stonks only go up, as Bill probably used to say. So anyhow, this week US federal authorities arrested and charged Bill, the founder of Archegos Capital Management, which is a family office, not a hedge fund, as is often reported. He's accused of executing a vast scheme to manipulate stocks. He's been arrested on federal racketeering, fraud and market manipulation charges, which is bad. It would appear that Bill's core investment strategy was to pick a basket of around 10 stocks and then using leverage from around a dozen prime brokers, buy an awful lot of them. As his buying pushed up the prices of these stocks, he had mark-to-market profits. He would then use these profits to get even more leverage from the banks to buy even more of these stocks. This made the prices go up even more, which created more profits, which gave our hero more money to buy more of the same stocks. I guess the idea was that this could continue on forever in an infinite loop, but sadly for Bill, that's not what happened. But he did have a great run. Bill used total return swaps and lots of leverage, all of which were kindly provided by his prime brokers, to build ginormous positions in stocks, including Viacom CBS, Discovery and a number of Chinese companies listed on US exchanges. Over the course of less than a week in late March 2021, the whole house of cards collapsed, leading to huge losses at many of the prime brokers. So what went wrong? Well, on March 22, 2021, Viacom CBS, whose stock bill had pushed up a lot, announced a secondary stock offering, basically to take advantage of the high stock price and raise some additional capital. This new supply of stock caused the stock price to sink the next day. This was Bill's largest position, and according to the indictment, he mounted a massive offensive to boost Viacom, attempting to overpower the market. The $2.6 billion in trading that he did that day consumed all of Archegos' cash, meaning that they would not be able to meet their margin calls if the offensive failed. And of course, Viacom continued to fall. Over the next two days, according to the complaint, Huang and his team scrambled to stall the banks from calling in their margin loans. On March 26th, he ran out of time. The banks began unwinding the trade, sending the shares tumbling. The game was over. When we look at the complaints, you can see that in March 2020, Archegos had $1.6 billion in capital and $10.2 billion in gross stock market exposure. 
So he was trading big to begin with. But those figures exploded to $36 billion and $160 billion, respectively, just before the collapse in March 2021. There's no mention of Dave Portnoy or Wall Street bets in the charges, and Bill has said nothing about his boredom during the pandemic, but I think we can all guess what happened. Among the victims, according to the criminal and civil complaints, are the Wall Street banks that Archegos deceived concerning its liquidity and trading positions. Huang's attorney states that Bill is entirely innocent of any wrongdoing. The biggest loser in this whole debacle was, of course, Credit Suisse, and I'm not sure that it's entirely fair to blame Bill for that. In many ways, it could be argued that being involved in scandals and taking losses in this manner was Credit Suisse's hobby during the pandemic. I've heard that at Credit Suisse, they initially wanted to take up making homemade pasta, but there was a shortage of pasta machines early on, and so huge losses it was. In truth, the losses at Credit Suisse can reasonably be blamed on supply chain disruptions as much as anything else. The SEC and the CFTC have brought parallel civil cases against Archegos and Huang. The SEC complaint says that in March 2021, Archegos's derivative and stock positions in Viacom CBS accounted for more than half of the company's freely tradable stock. He owned 70% of the outstanding shares of GSX TechEdu and 60% of the outstanding shares of Discovery. This is what lockdown boredom did to Bill. Anyhow, when we look at the various accusations, possibly the most significant one is that Bill is accused of deceiving his counterparties to extend leverage well beyond what their risk tolerance would have otherwise permitted had they known the truth. He was allegedly able to get away with this because of his use of derivatives. According to the complaints, Archegos would typically first invest in the common stock of a company it wanted to bet on, and only when their ownership approached 5% of the overall business, a threshold that would trigger regulatory disclosures, they would switch to using total return swaps. With these swaps, Archegos could make or lose money, depending on if a stock rose or fell, but the bank they entered the swap agreement with would show as the actual owner of the shares. The bank would have to buy the shares to hedge their exposure to the swap. The bank would own the shares but pass on their return to Archegos. This trading style allowed Archegos to not only hide its ownership, but they also provided leverage. Bill went from assets of $1.6 billion to more than $36 billion in just 12 months. At one point, Archegos owned or had derivative exposure to more than 50% of the outstanding shares in the media company Viacom CBS, now known as Paramount Global. Taking large positions like this in a stock and avoiding the disclosure rules is most likely illegal, whether he used swaps or not. I pointed out in a recent video that Elon Musk broke the law by waiting 10 days longer than is legally permitted to disclose his 5% stake in Twitter, which allowed him to accumulate an additional stake at a cheaper price, saving him and costing shareholders who sold to him $150 million. What Huang is accused of doing here is significantly worse. 
I'm not sure, but I don't believe the use of derivatives allows you to avoid disclosure like this. We'll have to see how the court case works out. The SEC complaint points out that from January through March of 2021, Archegos's trading of the equities of and securities-based swaps, referencing its top 10 holdings, frequently exceeded 20%, often reached 30%, and even surpassed 40% of certain issuers' daily trading volume. They go on to say that Huang knew that trading in large volumes on a given day would create upward pressure on the share prices and would often result in the share price increasing. It's not necessarily obvious, though, that this is actually market manipulation. Anyone who buys a lot of stock will, of course, push up the price, and there's not really any rule that says that your trading has to have no market impact. Additionally, there's no rule as to what percentage of daily volume you're allowed to trade. Most traders typically aim to minimize their market impact simply because it reduces your returns to move a stock much when buying and selling it. Amusingly, when the SEC described the manipulative trading that occurred, they say that he would buy in the pre-market when liquidity was low, in the middle of the day to keep the price up, and at the close to mark the close. When we sum that all up, it essentially tells us that he would just buy all of the time. What are you doing, Bill? I'm buying stonks. The SEC later said that none of this trading was based on a principled view of the true value of a particular issuer and instead was intended to artificially inflate share prices. Once again, I'm not sure that you have to show that you bought a stock based on good and thorough research. According to the complaint in June 2020, when asked by a colleague whether the relative resilience in Viacom CBS shares was a sign of strength on a day when the broader stock market was falling, Huang texted, no, it's a sign of me buying. He added the emoji for tears of joy or laughing, according to the complaint. Now, I'm not a lawyer, but it would appear that the SEC viewed this emoji as being possibly key to at least part of their case, as the statement, no, it's a sign of me buying, is just a statement of fact. Buying a lot of a stock will push its price up. But maybe the SEC feel that there's something that can be read into the emoji. After all, they do include it. It's lucky for Huang that he didn't send a text saying, the price is rising because I'm illegally manipulating the stock to make money and adding a devil emoji, as that statement might be more difficult for his lawyers to defend. If nothing else, we must commend Bill on his texting restraint and diplomacy. I should add that Bill is a 58-year-old deeply religious man, so I'm guessing that his lawyers can get around any emoji-related charges using what I believe is known as the boomer defense. They can point out that 58-year-old men have no idea what any emojis mean, other than maybe the happy face and sad face ones. It's a bit like when it came out years ago that David Cameron signed off of his text messages with LOL Dave. Apparently, he thought that LOL stood for lots of love. Like I said, though, I'm not a lawyer and I know nothing about emoji precedents. Now, it would appear that the most serious allegations against Archegos and Bill is that they lied to their banks and brokers about their stock positions and their overall finances. 
whether you're manipulating stock prices or not, it is illegal to lie to your banks in order to get them to lend you money. The SEC complaint says that Archegos claimed to representatives of Credit Suisse in substance that as of November 30, 2020, the largest gross position in Archegos's portfolio made up 35% of Archegos's capital. And this was untrue according to the complaint. At the time, Archegos's largest long position, Viacom CBS, made up approximately 96% of their overall capital. In fact, according to the SEC, as of that date, Archegos had six positions that were greater than 35% of capital. These numbers sum to more than 100% because of the leverage involved. The Department of Justice allege in their indictment that while trying to persuade UBS to increase their trading limits, Huang's team claimed that Archegos could unwind their entire portfolio in around a month without serious market disruption. In reality, according to the Department of Justice, Archegos would have needed well over 100 days to do this. Archegos is additionally accused of claiming in substance that the portion of their portfolio held at UBS was not representative of their overall portfolio with other counterparties, and that their largest portfolio positions were large liquid technology stocks like Amazon, Google, Microsoft, and Apple. In truth, according to the complaints, none of these stocks ranked in their top 10 positions. UBS, who lost $861 million from the debacle, ended up raising Archegos's trading limits by around $2 billion, based in part on these misrepresentations, according to the Department of Justice. A central problem here is that each bank only knew about Archegos's positions that were held at that specific bank. For this reason, it might have seemed sensible for Archegos to have a billion-dollar position in a single stock, but not if they have an identically large position in that same stock at every other major bank or brokerage. In such a situation, if Archegos defaulted like they eventually did, all of the counterparties would be selling the same stocks all at once and in size, tanking the stocks. Banks were very aware of this risk and asked Archegos about it, and Archegos is accused of lying. Now, we can't ignore the fact that the banks that ended up taking a hit were shot with a weapon that they had provided to Archegos. They created these swaps and provided access to them, knowing that they could be used to conceal outsized positions and provide an insane amount of leverage. The mess that ensued from all of this has led to calls for better disclosure of swap holdings, which currently avoid the tough rules that apply to ordinary shares. At the start of the COVID pandemic, one of the biggest fears of bank and hedge fund executives was that if staff were allowed to work from home, there might be a lot of rogue trader style losses. The theory was that a lack of effective compliance oversight, combined with cabin fever, could lead to people losing their sense of proportion and taking foolish and inappropriate risks. This is possibly what happened with Huang. Before the pandemic, he used to hold regular strategy meetings and talk to his analysts, arguing about investment cases and valuations. 
The complaints state that once he was confined to his home, he began essentially ignoring his analyst recommendations and spent almost all of his workday with the traders. This seems to be when he started believing far too much in his own ability and took on an investment strategy that a moment's reflection would have shown to be insane. It's notable that the other big losers in trading during the pandemic were retail options investors, the other group of people who had nobody advising them and who formed online communities that were informationally airtight against any disagreement. The thing with this whole story is that I still have no idea what Wang was thinking. He's a bright guy and he must have understood how this would end. The SEC and the Justice Department story is that he bought a lot of stock to make the stock go up, so he'd have paper profits to plough into buying more of the same stock. That's fine, but what then? If he was doing this to manipulate the price, what was his overall plan? Was there a point where he was supposed to run away with the money, leaving the banks holding the bag? He was doing this with his own money and appears to have lost it all. We have to wonder what the end game was. The strategy is laid out by the SEC and Department of Justice inevitably ends in ruin, and it did. How was he planning to make money? Based on the complaints, Bill Huang is accused of trying to manipulate these stocks up as high as they could go, essentially to achieve a high score, knowing that shortly thereafter he'd be entirely wiped out and go to prison for fraud. Now, he wouldn't be the first person to do something crazy like this, I guess, but he would be the first to do it in this kind of size. It's a strange idea and it doesn't make an awful lot of sense to me. I don't have a great alternative for you either, though. Maybe he just liked the stock. See you guys later. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Thank you to everyone who is supporting this content on Patreon. If you enjoyed this content, you can find more like it on YouTube, on the Patrick Boyle on Finance channel, or follow us on Twitter at Patrick E. Boyle. Thanks for listening. Bye.